Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first, and their covered wagons, they find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Future Tech Podcast. I'm Juliette Lamar, and my guest today is Peggy Daly. She is a managing director at the Berkeley Research Group. Welcome, Peggy. Thanks so much, and thank you for having me here. Of course. I'm looking forward to hearing more about the Berkeley Research Group. You guys are involved in everything. <laughs> That's true. That's true. We are, we're, we're everything you want to be and everywhere you want to be. Good slogan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's a it's a large company. Um, we started about eight years ago, and uh, actually, I think we're, uh, if not the one of the fastest growing consulting companies in in the world right now. Uh, we went from uh, just a handful of people eight years ago, and we've got more than 1,100 folks now, and uh, all over the world. So it's been uh, a very exciting ride to be a part of. Absolutely. So as a managing director, you really attach to? Sure. Um, you know, we have a number of different um, industry verticals and, and, and service lines. Uh, we're very well known for our healthcare practice uh, as well as our construction practice. Um, but I'm in a, in a more unique area, which is um, our uh, global investigations and strategic intelligence practice. And uh, that's comprised, yeah, it's, it's pretty fun work. Um, it's comprised of uh, a number of different uh, support areas for companies that are involved in investigations, 
whether it's internal investigations or investigating potential business partners, as well as um, supporting them uh, in various aspects of litigation. So, for example, we have a, a, a very well-regarded cyber team that does um, first responder work in cyber breaches. Uh, I tend to do a lot of work in uh, um, the technology area, we do data analytics in support of cases, uh, large-scale cases um, involving, oh, I do a lot of TCPA work. Um, we do a lot of uh, analytics on financial accounting records uh, So, and a lot of big data. Um, and then uh, also help run our um, investigations practice, which is asset searching and um, uh, background investigations of people and companies around the world. This sounds very 007. <laughs> it pretty much is. You know, I have to say, you know, I went, I went to law school for three years and it was pretty darn expensive and I practiced for a long time. And my kids are far more impressed with the fact that I'm a private detective, a licensed private detective, than the fact that I'm a lawyer. Yeah, I mean, this is a whole new world of, of crime that you can deal with because it's so instantaneous and you can get attacked from, from multiple different places. Well, that's right. And, and it's also very difficult for a number of industries because they're very heavily regulated and, 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 and probably, you know, for very good reasons and because they deal with very protected types of information. Um, so, for example, healthcare healthcare records, which are uh, protected by HIPAA. You've got, we've got higher education clients who have uh, FERPA uh, obligations. And then just about any other company, which is hosting um, third-party data, has your highly sensitive um, personal information, like social security numbers and so forth. So when there are investigations, uh, we have to be um, super sensitive to that. And then they, they also need to build and protect uh, their net, uh, networks um, that host all that data. And so for an interesting aspect of what we do is uh, we do a lot of trade secret theft investigations where an employee mm. leaves one company and goes to another and you know if they happen to take um take a lot of information that might relate to their customers for example they may have taken all kinds of protected data they could take we've had we've had cases where employees have taken um health uh, healthcare records of customers um or government Whoa. data and government protected data right right it gets pretty complicated pretty quickly um and and of course obviously we have to have very hardened networks for us to even be able to do the work um but yeah it gets serious pretty quickly and then they have to deal then they have to figure out if they have to you know what kind of breach it is and whether or not they need to um notify um customers and and um consumers uh, it, it's uh, it's very fast-paced work. I mean, a lot of what we do, you know, we get the phone call in the afternoon and we have to be there, in, you know, in an hour and they're in court the next morning. There's a lot of preliminary injunction work. Uh, everything is, you know, needs, we need to be immediate responders because um, the issues are very important and can significantly impact not only our clients, but, you know, the cons consumers who are out there, you know, including, including me, including you. You know, it's our records that are out there. I know. I was just going to ask you, are you more or less paranoid after taking this job? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think the answer is both. Um, you know, <laughs> you're more you're more paranoid. One of the things I, I worked on years ago was the, the Lehman Brothers bankruptcy. And, you know, I worked on that probably about four or five months 
uh, after I, I started investing in real estate REITs, and I went, boy, how dumb am I? How, how do I not understand how the world works? Um, but once you get into these systems, you realize uh, that there are a lot, of, a lot of companies that do a great job of protecting the data. And one of the things I'm involved in is the um, Sedona Network, which uh, is involved in data private. I, do, I work in the data pri- uh, privacy and data security areas, um, helping to uh, publish guidelines. And, you know, a lot of our, our clients, most of our clients do a terrific job um, on, the, on the data security piece. But the problem is, um, you know, it's so easy to just have one thing go wrong and then have a cascade of problems happen. I mean, if you look at mm-hmm. um, like the Hillary Podesta leak, um, you know, that was a situation where somebody got a phishing, um, a phishing email, a Podesta got a phishing email. He did the right thing. He sent, he sent it to his IT director and said, is this legitimate? And the guy was the IT director sent back an email, which he, meant to say, no, it is not. And he said, yes, it is. You know, the word mm. not wasn't in there. And, and then, you know, what happens from that? And so it's, it's, you know, and you have to be ever vigilant. The technology changes, you know, the bad guys are, are pretty smart. Um, and you have to protect yourself, not only from the outsiders, but, you know, a substantial number of data breaches and security, uh, data security problems arise because of the employees that you have, the people that are down the hall, you know, what, no, the nomenclature is the malicious insider. Uh, so somebody who just decides to take, take another job and, and walks across the street to a new employer uh, may put a thumb drive in their, in, their, um, in their laptop and walk away not only with the secret sauce recipe, but, you know, <laughs> Excel spreadsheets with your social security number in it. Um, and we, and when, and when people case, change jobs, they're angry. You know, they, they they feel like that's something they should be doing. Yeah. Or they think they, they, it's, there's, a, there's a tremendous amount of rationalization when we interview fraud uh, uh, participants and, and, and an enormous amount of rationalization uh, when you're dealing with trade secret theft. I mean, these are individuals mm-hmm. who have worked someplace. They've probably been responsible for build, building some of the value there, uh, and they feel entitled. And the fact that, um, you know, the, the records and the data is a corporate, um, is corporately owned as opposed to something, despite the fact that they may have built it, doesn't belong to them, is really hard for them to wrap their head around. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I, we did a, work for an investment bank not too long ago, and they had a trade secret uh, problem. Their employee left, and all the right things happened. They got a trigger from the uh, activities on the uh, 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 the person's activities prior to them leaving. They were logging into the networks late and um, trying to get access <laughs> to things that they weren't entitled to. The person left, and so when we started to do the investigation, we pulled their old laptop and found that they had, they had data from two or three prior employers oh. that they had brought when they had been <laughs> – employed before so, so our client had done everything right except we you know they, they we had they had to spend an enormous amount of money to make sure that this individual hadn't uh, hadn't um infilt- exfiltrated that other uh, employer's information onto their networks and they had to you know and they had to figure out how to disclose and what to do and it was a big mess and this, this was trading data you know these are you know the brokers and dealer types you know so it was all protected information so it's just it's just very difficult to 
very difficult to get it right. Um, and, and, you know, the best clients and the, uh, the, the best companies are out there just working every day to do as, as good a job as they can. But it's expensive and it's just really, really hard to get right. I mean, it just sounds like there are so many, like the example you just gave with that, with that gentleman, um, how, you know, he had layers of fraud going on, just <laughs> right. layers of it. And, and it's just going to keep getting more complicated and people are going to keep, the criminals are going to bury their little secrets deeper and deeper. So what do you see That's the right. future of your industry looking like? Well, you know, it's 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 an it's interesting question because it's one that we we talk about internally all the time because things have changed rapidly in terms of of how the data is stored and how it is um deployed. Um a good example is, you know, I was a, I was a trial attorney for years and years and I used to do trade secret cases as a, as a lawyer. And back then, when we wanted to investigate, um, it was we weren't looking at thumb drives. I mean, this is the early '90s. We 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 were we were trying we were interviewing the guards, the security guards, to see who was walking out with boxes of documents, and we were checking <laughs> the access codes to see who came in at three in the morning. Um, you know, and that moved into thumb drives. And now it's moved. Then it, then it was, um, you know, the fact is your was emailing things to yourself, which is a really dumb way to try and steal. It's pretty easy <laughs> to find out. Um, and then it's putting things up onto the cloud. Um, you know, so you're you're transferring the data there. And then we also do a lot of computer forensics on, um, you know, iPads and laptops and servers and and telephones. And if you've read anything uh, in the paper about trying to trying to access the encrypted data on terrorist telephones, you know, and how difficult it is now because there's so many layers of encryption and the type of information that we used to be able to get as forensic examiners just doesn't exist anymore. Or if it exists, we can't get at it because of the multiple layers of encryption. So it's um it's always a matter of um you know continuing to try and one figure out what the new technology is doing phone technology computer technology is changing constantly and the type of data that's being stored and how it's stored changes so we have to know all of that and then we then we have to figure out what what it means when we're pulling that information together it's very very difficult to parse and then be able to accurately state with any kind of reasonable certainty that information was taken based on fragmentary evidence. So it's, um, you know, you have to be very careful. The last thing you want to do is to to say that somebody took something when they didn't, you know, that, that can be very life um, affecting. Uh, it's very mm-hmm. difficult to be in, in litigation and it's expensive and you have to get this stuff right. But the technology changes. So, I mean, what do I see in the future? I see us continuing to work really hard uh, to figure it all out and to help our <laughs> clients uh, get ahead of the curve as much as we can. I mean, you can't stop technological change, nor should you. Um, but if you fall asleep, um, you know, it gets past you and, you know, you're, you're, you're not going to be able to do your job very well. So it's just a matter of, of constantly studying um, what, what the changes are in, in the type of technology that we deal with. I think that with new technologies, if you're not familiar with the one that came prior to it, it's harder to to immerse yourself and get adopted into the new way of doing things. So if you miss a couple of steps in between, mm-hmm. say you're doing something the old way, jumping from one to five, it, it's not as possible as people might think. 
Oh, that's absolutely right because, you know, not everybody's an early adopter. When we're mm-hmm. when we're dealing with corporate um, technology and we're dealing with people's telephones and so forth, we're going back sometimes 10, 12 years. Uh, not everybody adopts immediately, especially certain types of companies are incredibly slow. Um, mm-hmm. to, it's because it's expensive, you know, to, to complete, you know, you, you, what you're probably, I mean, we've had people that are still on, you know, 10 versions ago windows because their company hasn't updated. So we have to know everything from, uh, you know, historically all the way, uh, to the new things. And it's always expensive on the first case where we've got, you know, some new operating system and the forensic toolkits that we use don't even uh, don't even apply to it because it's so new. And we then have to, you know, we have to do it on the fly and try and figure it out. And there's a lot of research and late nights trying to, to understand the new technology. But the uh, the um, the old stuff is out there and we continue to work on it. I mean, an interesting thing when we worked on I worked on the Madoff case as well. Um, we did a lot of a lot of work on that, and the you know Madoff's firm was still using an AS400 system, you know, which had been um, which had been shelved 15 years earlier by just about any company, um, and it turned out they were using the older technology because it suited his fraud. So uh, you mm-hmm. never know what you you know how old the uh, how old the um, the systems are that you're going to get, and we get that often with. A need, like a Department of Justice, may come out and subpoena our clients and, and try and get 15 years worth of, let's say, marketing data. And they may have a lot of that um, on backup tapes and 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 on old orphan systems. And you know, we need to be able to understand where it is and and how to um, how to migrate the data onto uh, uh, platforms that are accessible. And uh, we have. Uh, we do a lot of hiring of all those bright young people coming out of college that, that really understand uh, those platforms. Yeah, so not only do you have to keep shredding your mail, you also <laughs> have, to fight, have to fight it. I was hoping you were going to say, no one even bothers with the old technology. It's all the new stuff. Nope, you got to fight it on both fronts. <laughs> right. Well, unless the client is in a situation, and this is one of the things we work with them on a compliance, uh, we do a lot of compliance work and, and, and try to help um, help them figure out what they need and how to 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 store that in a in a, an efficient way and what they don't need. Um, you know, they used to call them document destruction policies, and they stopped doing that because it sounded evil. Um, <laughs> a little bit, it, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> right, but now so now they call them document retention policies, which just means we're going to keep this and get rid. But it still means we're getting rid of everything else. Um, <laughs> you don't you don't need to keep everything. Um, and keeping everything is expensive, and um, it's putting into place systems that are are monitored on an ongoing basis that allow you in to, and enable the employees um, to figure out without too much trouble how uh, what they can reasonably get rid of and and feel safe getting rid of. Everybody likes to keep everything. Uh, because it gives it's like a warm security blanket to have that email from your boss from five years ago that said you did, did a great job. Um, but anybody that's ever been deposed will tell you, you know, it would be really great to say, I don't have anything from five years ago. If any of you've ever been had an email put in front of you from five years ago, you don't remember it at all. You know, you, exactly. Just, it, right. So, and, and then, you know, somebody starts asking you all kinds of questions about it, and you, you very legitimately cannot recall any of it. 
Um, so, and, and 90% of the stuff that's retained now, unless it's you're in a, um, a regulated industry where they have, um, you know, good reasons for you to want to maintain certain types of data um, for legal reasons, you just don't need it. Um, but it's time consuming to get rid of as well. When um, mm-hmm. this was back when Elliot Spitzer uh, was still the attorney general and before his uh, interesting life uh, changes, he uh, he went after the insurance industry um, for brokerage agreements uh, for um, not disclosing for uh, insurance brokers not disclosing to their clients they were making money in both both sides of it of a deal. Mm. And we had clients that had to go back and get data from. 15, 20 years before, and they ha- they had these orphan systems, and it cost them an enormous amount of money. Um, and that's when they kind of get religion and decide that they need to to have a more robust retention uh, program in place and get rid of all the old emails and so forth. And but getting it right and making sure that you're keeping what you need and what you're required to need is what you're required to, um, is is not easy. No, not not at all. And and that's it, it's huge. Um, so when when clients come to you. You offer a bunch of different services. So you you also offer mm-hmm. kind of organization of, of this as well as, you know, if they're having a, a an oh crap moment, someone's hacked us, you offer you <laughs> <Right>. offer <laughs> you offer across oh. the board. Is that is that correct? We we do and it tends to be different folks within the organization but within our practice within our practice. Um my mm-hmm. work is, is typically first responder type um work. So let's say a trade secret theft or a cyber breach or a financial fraud. We'll, I'll come in, um, you know, bringing, bringing with me, you know, behind my cape, the, uh, you know, the forensic <laughs> accountants or the, uh, you know, the technologists or the, the research folks, whatever the specific, and or an industry um, specific experts, you know, whatever the, the, the incident requires. And then as you get your arms around it and you um, start to figure out how to um, get it behind you to get the problem in your rear view, view mirror, that may be disclosures, that may be the whole thing may be in a litigation context. So you've you've now figured out your, your strategy and so forth. When there's a problem like that, typically it it occurs because there are weak internal controls somewhere. It might be a weak um, a weak accounting c- control. It might be a weak um, data security control. It may, it may be something, but there's always, always, always something to be learned from um, uh, a bad situation um, and, and, and a way to strengthen your organization. So if, you're, if you have an incident, if you had bad litigation, if you have um, if you have a, uh, a DOJ investigation, if you have a cyber breach, the best thing you can possibly do when, once the dust settles is to take a look at your organization and, and, and have a robust discussion with the folks that were involved in it and say, how can we stop this from happening? How can we be better? What things do we need to put in place so that you know, we harden the target? Um, oftentimes, like for, for cyber breach, for example, you don't have to have an impenetrable, you know, impenetrable system. You just have to make it hard enough so that they go somewhere else. You know, <laughs> you have to, you have to be, you have to obviously have, um, be up to industry, um, benchmarks and guide, you know, and, and, and best practices, but, you know, you're just making it more difficult, uh, to, to breach your systems then the guy next door means they're just going to go next door. It's just, you think about it as like a burglar checking the back doors, right? You know, the doors locked, they go next door. Um, and that's true 
whether it's retention agreements, whether it's um, compliance programs, whether it's employee education, you need to look and see how can we strengthen the organization and then put a plan in place. Um, sometimes it takes a couple of years to implement because you may have the need to put in brand new systems, which can be expensive and you have to vet vendors and you have to um, figure out, you know, which, how, which budget year you're going to, you're going to sink the cost into. But if you have a plan of continuous improvement and you're able to look at your organization um, in a way that, that's non-defensive, um, you know, because that's part of the problem when you've had really ugly litigation or an investigation, you, you tend to um, circle the wagons and feel like life's unfair. Um, and if, if you can get out of that mindset and, and say, okay, how do we get better? How can we, how, if, if we had done what, if we had done what things would, what, would, would have prevented this? That's, that's when you really contribute to an organization, I think. Um, it's not just incident response and getting through it, but it's, it's making your, your, your organization better as it should be. Exactly, because learning to lock your doors is a lot better than trying to find your the burglar after the after the crowd's been done. <laughs> that's, that's exactly right, especially if they're they're sitting in the Ukraine somewhere, um, you know, you're, you're never going to get them. I mean, that's part exactly. of the problem with some of the the breaches is, you know, you, you can you can raise your fist, but, you know, you, there's not much you can do in terms of getting recompense. So, you know, if a company is is all of a sudden in the throes of of some kind of cybersecurity breach or their disgruntled employee has left with all of their information, you know, what is the best way to get in contact um with you? Oh well, you know, we're 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 on the we're on the web. It was at thinkbrg.com. Uh and you can also um if you just type in on the internet, Berkeley Research Group, uh you'll look at our global investigations practice group is um it's got a nice, beautiful page with good-looking pictures of lots of really intelligent and um, experienced people. Um, and then I'm I'm personally located in uh, in in Chicago, and my email is pdaily d a l e y at thinkbrg.com. And uh, we are are just sitting there waiting to hear about what your problems are and see how we can help. Say, I could talk to you all day about this because there's a thousand <laughs> questions, but we're going to have to have you on again because this has been very insightful. And, you know, I'm going to go lock my door, shred my documents, and put up a firewall <laughs> on my... <laughs> Build your bunker, line it exactly. with Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's been great. All right. All right. Well, that was that was Peggy Daly with the Berkeley Research Group. Check them out. They offer so many incredible services. This has been Juliet Lamar with Future Tech Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first, and their covered wagons, they find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. 
Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.